Hello, Herd. You're about to hear about the Jackie Chan movie, Rumble in the Bronx. But before we get to that, I'd like to tell you about the movies that we'll be talking about in the next couple months and which guests we have. For April, we'll be talking about The Princess Bride with guests John Caulfield and Mike DeJong. For May, we'll be talking about a sampling of the Harry Potter films. We don't know which films we'll be talking about yet, as there are quite a few of them, and it gets kind of complicated, but we'll figure that out and let you know soon. In the meantime, our guests for that episode will be Bajaya, Molly M., and Courtney Annie, so you'll want to stick around for that for sure. That's all for now. Time to discuss Rumble in the Bronx with special guest David Stewart. Take it away! Lloyd, Kinsey, I'm glad you both could make it. Have you found us another hit? Uh, Yes, Harold, I believe we have. Uh, Kinsey and I have been scouring the talent pool, and I feel like we have it. That's right, Harold. And I have to say, looking back, it's been a great year here at New Line Cinemas. Yeah, with the Basketball Diaries, that was... Good flick. I I don't think the lead kid is going to last that long. It's been a great year here at New Line Cinemas. In the Mouth of Madness. Whoa. Scary, scary, scary. Great year at New Line, and and we... That box! What was in it? We're gonna try something new! I want us to release something fun. We need some action. Action is the key word here. And that's what I said to you just the other day. I said Lloyd, I said Kinsey, I said guys, go find me some action. Find him some action. Get me thrills. Get you thrills. Get me big names. Get you big names. Uh, well, uh, Harold. Explosions. Well, actually, Harold. Fighter jets, tanks, and greased up muscles on manly men. Harold, uh, we ran into some problems there. Or kick-ass women. It's the 90s. Harold, we had scheduling problems. Problems? What problems? Is Arnold available? Uh, he's he's booked. We're working on some films slated for next year. I, I, one I'm looking forward to about Christmas and jingles. Linda Hamilton? She's fantastic. She's unavailable. Okay. What about the stallion? Uh, he's still in rehab, Judge Dredd. Of course. Gina Davis? Last I heard, she's gone pirate. Well, what about Willis? Busy in New York. Jamie Lee Curtis? She's got to be free. She can't commit. Truly, I think she's telling lies. Seagull. Stuck on a train. Jodie Foster's done some cool stuff. She got lost in the woods. Oh, right. Hey, what about Jean-Claude Van... Hockey! Damn! Well, why did you both come in here all happy and content? Well, we did find a popular action star. We've worked out a deal with Golden Harvest. Ooh, we doing Turtles 4? Uh, No, uh, but we are going to distribute a kung fu film. It's by this big action star from China. He's He's world world famous. famous! I don't know. Lloyd? What have I seen him in? Well, he did play a background character in a couple of Burt Reynolds flicks from the 80s. Burt! Now you're speaking my language. Kenzie, what else? He starred in a police story about two New York cops breaking up a drug ring in Hong Kong. Starred opposite Danny Aiello. Okay. Aiello. Okay, what's his name? Jackie Jackie Chan. Chan. Never heard of him. It's Sacred Cows Tonight with your hosts... Mike and Pete, featuring Disembodied Voice Guy, with special guest David Stewart, featuring the Sacred Cows Tonight Band. And now welcome your hosts, Mike and Pete. Welcome to Sacred Cows Tonight. I'm Mike. I'm Pete. And with us we have David Stewart. Hey guys, how are you doing? Hello. Hi David, how are you been? Been very good, very good. Keeping busy. Well, welcome to Sacred Cows Tonight. Uh, it's your first time on the show, and we're glad to have you. Tonight we are going to talk with David about 
Rumble in the Bronx, the 1995 Jackie Chan film. But first, David, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, guys, guys, I have a confession. This is the very first time I've ever guested on a podcast, so I'm a really? little, I'm a little nervous. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, I wouldn't worry about it. It's just us. Yeah, yeah. I, I'll, I'm, I'm, I'm currently imagining both of you naked, so I'm very good here. So. <laughs> oh, well. All right. Uh, so a little bit about <laughs> now my... I'm nervous. <laughs> now you're nervous. Okay. Um, <laughs> this will this will be this will uh, be a seesaw. It'll be good. Yeah. I love. I didn't even know what to say to that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so a little a, a little bit about myself. Um, I have been an independent filmmaker since uh, let's see. I think 1989 is when I first started picking up a camera and playing around with it. Um, I've been doing uh, so indie films and shorts since then till now. Um, and uh, aside from that, what really pays the bills is is i i'm an it manager uh for a university uh and then what keeps me active keeps me busy is i, I do a lot of editing for uh drunks and dragons for the geekly inc uh network so uh that's that's pretty much my life in a, in a nutshell not counting family life but i won't get into that wow. <laughs> what a cv that's uh, quite the storied past yes yes <laughs> thanks for coming on the show looking forward to talking with you tonight yes we're ver- thank you very glad that to have you, and very glad that uh, you can uh, experience your first podcast experience from the other side of the microphone uh, with us. And hopefully, we don't disappoint you. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't worry. Well, how could we? How could we? We're talking about Jackie Chan tonight. Oh, that's yes. I think. Yeah, starting out on the right foot. <laughs> yeah. Okay, guys. So, Rumble in the Bronx. This movie was the first experience. Uh, wide release for Jackie Chan in the U.S., so it's kind of a special thing. I think usually we uh, have our guests <laughs> explain themselves at this point. What what made this movie special uh, enough to you that you wanted to talk about it on the air? Yeah, I think, honestly, I, I, w- I was going back and forth. I gave a list of a bunch of different movies that would be good, you know, th- things that, you know, hey, I'd love to be on your show. Here's a bunch of different movies of different genres. And um, I think... You sent us pictures of your movie shelf, and it was very impressive. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I still have, uh, for those of you at home, I still have VHS tapes. Do you remember what those are? Probably not. But uh, um, but anyway, uh, uh, one, one of the areas was, uh, was action, and, and of course, in one of the movie sections was uh, Jackie Chan. And um, I don't, yeah, you guys haven't done any Jackie Chan films in, in, in your, you know, your show, and I thought that, that might be a good a good point for me because i'm kind of a unofficial jackie chan historian so um you i think we went back and forth with uh okay maybe we should do this maybe what about uh you know rush hour or something like that and i said well if we're gonna do a jackie chan movie i think historically it would make sense to do the one that he actually became a household name and he he he, this is the movie that brought him to america he became it was a big success and after that he started getting deals doing uh uh actual american movies american films so uh i thought that would be a it would be a good a good one to do so what was what was your first exposure to this movie what was the what was the first way that you heard of it i mean or were you already a big jackie chan fan to start with and then you're like yeah he's coming no I, i i yeah, I, I was a. I guess you could say I was a, a a a mild Jackie Chan fan, but I didn't know it. So, for me, my first time seeing Jackie Chan was as a kid watching the uh, the horrible uh, Cannonball Run movies. Horrible now, 
Um, and he just was one of the background players uh, in the Cannonball Run uh, and Cannonball Run 2, uh, Burt Reynolds okay. flicks from the early 80s. And uh, so he was the, hey, that's that funny uh, Japanese guy, you know, even though, <laughs> even though, <laughs> even though that he was not Japanese, he was playing a Japanese uh, character. Uh, and uh, so for me, years and years later, uh, my my first time seeing him was for the trailers for Rumble in the Bronx. So the trailers for Rumble in the Bronx uh, were were built, and we'll get into this later. They were marketed to, to introduce America to this this action superstar, and uh, and so you just see all this crazy action, and it was action at the time that you had never seen before, never seen it on this level. Things like you know doing your own stunts, uh, really fast and well edited uh, fight scenes, and things like that. And in the actual trailer for Rumble in the Bronx, uh, it's just again. Uh, a dance of action splattered across the screen. And uh, then you see Jackie Chan pop up and someone asks him if he's okay. And he says, no. And he runs off. And yes. I remember that. He says in the actual trailer. And, uh, and so uh, for me, I was like, okay, I'm going to check this out. And where I lived at the time, uh, sh- shall I go ahead and get into my first time seeing it? Uh, sure. Yeah. As long, as long as we don't do the massive spoilers yet, yeah, then we're good. Oh yeah. Yeah. I won't spoil a thing. I know, I know that your format. So, <laughs> After seeing the trailer, I, I was psyched. I wanted to see this movie in the theaters. So for us, you know, I was at the time still living at home or kind of like one foot out of the door. Um, and, uh, and we have a, a second-run dollar theater near, chain near, near our house where we lived. And so we would see all sorts of movies there. Sometimes I would go see multiple movies throughout the day, spending a buck or a buck fifty each. So as soon as it came to the dollar theater, I went and saw Rumble in the Bronx. And, uh, again, sitting down, watching the movie, uh, I was – for overall, I was just blown away. Again, this was everything that we saw that I saw was brand new. You know, a lot of the things, you know, we'll talk about later. Oh, it's been done. You see more and more of that type of stuff today. But at, at the time, this was this was pioneering for an American audience. And so after seeing it in the theater, I went home and talked about it with my brothers and friends and things like that. I started dragging people taking trips on our Mecca, going over to uh, our, our trip over. And, hey, let me introduce you. Let me show you this movie. Now watch this movie. Now we'll talk about du- us dubbing later, but just, you know, just watch it. Watch it for the action. So I definitely brought a lot of people into it and, and made a, a lot of new fans for him. And, yeah, uh, now tell me how much you love it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we'll talk about it afterwards. Let's have some yeah, right. pie and talk about it. But, uh, uh-huh. but yeah, that, <laughs> that was it. I, it. I, I, after watching it, the aftermath was... It was flooded. Everything was flooded, meaning you could find Jackie Chan movies everywhere. The Walmart bins, the movie movie uh, stores, where they, uh, Suncoast Video, remember that? Yes. Um, you could sure. find every flavor of Jackie Chan movie just like sprung out overnight. And, and, uh, and uh, so I started, you know, spending all my hard-earned cash, not going to school or anything, just, uh, you know, buying all the, every movie that I could that had the name Jackie Chan on it. But we'll, we can talk about that more later as well. <laughs> so that was, that, that was my introduction to him. And it was, it was a, a, a doorway that, that opened up for me and just like my eyes opened and, it just showed me a whole new world I knew nothing about, and and since then I've I've been playing in that world uh, in every way possible since then. So it's really impacted me. Well, Mike, can you top that? Uh, no, <laughs> with, that's with quite any the... personal experiences with uh, Rumble in the Bronx or Jackie Chan. Yeah, I um, 
So guys, if you're like me, you probably at least liked Jackie Chan movies in college. Uh, I did in college, but I see. Okay, I have a confession to make. I had thought that I had seen Rumble in the Bronx before. I had not seen Rumble in the Bronx before. <laughs> oh, I had not. Really, seen it none of it looked familiar. Well, I mean, the parts in the trailers looked familiar, um, but no, I, I had not seen it before. Maybe I caught like part of it on TNT while flipping channels or something at some point. Because um, TNT would play this a lot, from what I understand, and tale as old as time, flipping through channels, saw it on TNT. <laughs> but no, what I remember the most is that, okay, so when I was a kid, I was really into Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Who wasn't, right? And so Teenage Mutant Ninja <laughs> Turtles two had the trailer for Rumble in the Bronx because that was going into the theaters about the time Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles two was coming on VHS. And that is where I remember oh. that was the big push. Like, hey, kids, you, you know, kids, uh, ostensibly, you know, <laughs> see this rated R movie, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, they don't the the, the trailer is, um, you know, appropriate for all audiences, you know, like it says. And I don't basically mom and dad are going to have to sit with the kids and watch the movie and they don't know what's going on. It could be the TMNT or maybe it was Mortal Kombat. No. <laughs> The trailer was in front of my Mortal Kombat VHS. That makes more sense. <laughs> Mike doesn't know what he knows. Um, I do remember, but the thing I remember is I had seen Mortal Kombat in the theater a, a couple times. Before that, I remember that they used the Mortal Kombat music that they had um, specifically orchestrated for the Mortal Kombat in the trailer for Rumble in the Bronx. Like the yes, yes, the drum thing. Yes, Rumble they, in the Bronx. Yeah, but it's like the cymbal thing, and then like all the drum goods, and then like when he says when they're like, he's like, "Are you okay?" And he's like, "No." And that's when they stop it, and they dun dun dun. You know, and it's like they they took that music from Mortal Kombat and they put it perfectly for that trailer. Yeah, and and it's funny because I I watched the trailer this morning. Uh, uh, you know, and I hadn't seen it since back then, and I was thinking, what what is that music from? And yeah, you just that was it. <laughs> so New Line Cinema saving money on music since <laughs> 1989, <laughs> but <laughs> their frugality has led to their survival. What can I say? Well, this would be eventually. I mean, the interesting thing about New Line Cinema, and and you know, something we could probably do a whole episode about, is they're a house that built themselves on very small movies, and eventually they got to Lord of the Rings. You know, so. <laughs> Very interesting, but yes, I never did end up seeing it. Well, you've seen it now, right? You've seen it now, right? Yes. <laughs> and, Otherwise, Mike, pause the podcast. And having seen and it. been a, a fan of the original Rush Hour, which um, is a movie, <laughs> um, yes, I, yes. I should have went back and and uh, and saw this more original work. So, Pete, what about you? Well, you know, I was definitely uh, in high school. Uh, a Jackie Chan fan because you know funny guy uh did a lot of pretty badass martial arts moves at the time uh I'm sure I found out about him I think I was aware of him before Rush Hour but then Rush Hour like really grabbed me by the face and said watch this guy <laughs> so I did I I went back through his back catalog at that point um and I'm also going to blame Jackie Chan for my general love of Hong Kong cinema, including classic Hong Kong cinema. We're talking like, what is it, Shaw Brothers and, of course, Golden Harvest and all that kind of stuff. Wonderful, wonderful. Um, I definitely was the kind of guy who would spend a dollar to get that 
mini binder of 50 Hong Kong movies like that were in the clearance bins and then enthusiastically watch them all. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I've seen probably, you know, a hundred of these rather cheesy Hong Kong films, thanks to Jackie Chan. But in going back through his catalog, I, of course, watched like Operation Condor and Police Story and uh, the original Drunken Master and that kind of thing. And um, this was one of those movies that I saw, Rumble in the Bronx. I wasn't sure if I had seen it before I watched it for this podcast but watching it i was like oh yeah i've seen this at least at least twice before this (laughs) i'm I'm assuming so you know yeah like all these iconic scenes kept popping up and of course you never know hey was was this in rumble in the bronx or was this in one of his other like 30 movies you know so um it turns out a lot of them were were rumble and uh may i just say rumble in the bronx is like a super badass name for an action movie. I mean, that's just like one of the coolest names you can call. Rumble in the Bronx is just really cool. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, that that's my experience with this movie. I had seen it. Um, of course, I kind of fell off the Jackie Chan wagon with things like the tuxedo and uh, Around the World in 80 Days. But, <laughs> but, you know, he still has a special place in my heart. Yeah, definitely some of his uh, his modern movies, uh, especially his his American movies. I I think I've seen them, but I don't own them. And I I I think I bought Around the World in eighty days because it was in like a dollar bin or something like that. Sure. <laughs> but, well, you know, he he just I don't know. He got typecast as like an increasingly schlocky, you know, silly martial artist, basically like a non threatening martial. He artist, Leslie basically. Nielsened himself, I think, in late late uh, period, right? Yeah, that's a good parallel for career path, I yeah, think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just a matter of time before he's in Mr. Magoo, too. <laughs> oh, yeah, yes. Jackie Chan dead and, and loving uh, it. No. <laughs> uh, wh- 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 while, while we're there, do you know who directed Mr. Magoo? I haven't got the slightest idea. Stanley Tong, the director of Rumble in the Bronx. Unbelievable. <laughs> no kidding. Well, bringing it, it all back around. It, it was his first, <laughs> it was his first and only American film after Rumble in the Bronx. No kidding. Well, I think I know why it, he didn't continue, or studios wouldn't allow him to continue. So now Jackie Chan really is one degree away from Rosie Nielsen. <laughs> yeah, right? Dang. We got there. Oh, that's yeah. great. So, Mike, how do we usually start out these uh, these discussions? Well, I think it's time for our patented, not really patented, 30,000-foot summary of the movie. So, David... If you are willing, can you give us a high-level summary of Rumble in the Bronx? And by the way, people, if you haven't watched the movie, now's the time before David starts uh, giving this summary to go watch Rumble in the Bronx if you wish to not be spoiled. All right. I'm happy to do this. There's no problem. Um, All right. So the story is Jackie Chan plays a hardened policeman named Kyung who comes to America to help his uncle, Uncle Bill, uh, with setting his affairs in order. Uncle Bill is, is selling his supermarket to a new, uh, a new buyer named Elaine. So he comes over to help, that, help, help out with the move, visit, do the wedding, and, uh, and uh, see him off. And he's going to be staying in America for a while and helping the new buyer named Elaine uh, get things set up. So while he's there, while he's helping out, uh, after Uncle Bill has gone off on his honeymoon with his new wife, uh, Elaine's the shop actually starts to get uh, harassed by this this gang of bikers, and uh, they just start coming in, stealing stuff, and uh, and uh, Kyung or Jackie Chan uh, kind of gets in their face and stops them from doing it, and tells them, you know, he beats up some of them and and tells them, don't ever come back. If you come back and do, try any do anything like this again, I'll I'll beat you up again, and he sends them on their merry way. So a little bit later. 
when he's out walking uh, home late one evening, uh, he witnesses uh, some guys grab this girl. And uh, he goes and, and goes to help out because he's, he's a good Samaritan. He's always a good guy. And it uh, turns out that this, this uh, woman who was grabbed, she, uh, she was a plant. She brought him in. She kicked him, kicks him, hurts him, and uh, runs away. And then all these bad guys come and attack him. So now there's a big fight scene, and, uh, and he ends up getting beat up pretty bad and almost left for dead. They actually almost kill him. And, uh, and so that's the end of that bit. Uh, he makes it back home. And it turns out that this, this, there's the, the woman who assaulted him, who's part of the gang, is actually his neighbor. And so she, uh, she has this little brother who, uh, who is helping nurse Jackie back uh, to health. And, uh, and so what happens is a relationship begins to develop with her and Jackie Chan. And, uh, and she's ashamed of, of everything that, that's been going on. And, uh, and, uh, so she's kind of leaving the, the bad part behind. And what also happens too, well, one thing about her brother, he is actually a wheelchair bound, bound child. He's, he's, he's got his, his wheelchair. He's, he's, he, they live in a poor neighborhood. His wheelchair needs a new cushion. And there's a big deal about he needs a new cushion because his, his current cushion is, uh, is, uh, you know, it's stuffing's falling out of it and everything like that. So, um, Cut two, totally new plot comes in. There's a bunch of these mob guys uh, who, who are trying to get these diamonds that were stolen from some big heist. And uh, somehow this, these diamonds end up uh, with these, this biker gang. And uh, they end up tossing these diamonds into uh, the, the young boy's chair cushion for his, his wheelchair. So it's, it's hiding inside there. And uh, so what happens then, I'll get jump to the end because I know this plot is so deep. Uh, we need to get to the, to the end of it. But uh, what happens is there's a big mix-up with the mob, the biker gang, and uh, the store, and this, this missing diamonds. And just a, a lot of chaos, a lot of fighting. And, uh, and of course, at the end of the day, after uh, the, the city of uh, New York is rocked by, uh, by all these, these terrible things, uh, you know, Jackie it's Chan, rumbled. it's rumbled. I would say it's rumbled. <laughs> uh, Jackie Chan comes out on top. Uh, unfortunately, the grocery store has been destroyed, but uh, the bad guys have all, have all been taken care of. And, uh, of course, it ends with a, a freeze frame and a bunch of uh, outtakes. <laughs> so it's a, a very complicated plot if you think about it. <laughs> Yeah. So if you didn't have a chance to see the movie, that'll do just fine. But I also noticed that uh, on YouTube, there's a like uh, it's called like quick version of Rumble in the Bronx or like short version yeah, or something yeah. like that. It's maybe like 10 minutes long. And I imagine you can get it's what you all need fights. From that one too. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, it's just like gets rid of all of that annoying exposition between like set pieces of, of, of fights, yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> so, no, it, it gives you some of that. too. Yeah. So. And, and the funny thing is, uh, you know, this. It's been met when it came when it when it was released in America. It was number one the first week that it came out. Its budget is estimated at like seven and a half million dollars, which nowadays that's that's like nothing. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I know it, in in America it grossed uh, 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 all worldwide. It, it did almost forty million, so it definitely made made its money. It's it's funny when you hear uh, numbers, movie like uh, gross and stuff sure. like that from the '90s, and you're like, "Geez, that's a tiny number, forty million dollars." You know, studios wouldn't even come out of the, you know, wouldn't come to the the meeting table for twice that. Oh yeah, yeah, I know nowadays. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, but you know, everything's relative. It has to make a, a, a billion dollars. This day. if it had Jackie Chan, it pro- it's it probably expected to make you know half a million dollars or half a billion dollars or something yeah. like that, like yeah, in a yeah, full yeah. action. Yeah, that's true. You don't even. Th- 
think of a movie as you don't even think of a movie as successful unless it's like at 500 million or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I was going to ask if you guys would you guys like a brief history lesson on Jackie Chan? Sure. The man, the myth, the, man, the, the legend, myth, the legend, the, the legend um, of the drunken master. All, all right. right let's yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll give you a brief history lesson on Jackie Chan, because, again, one of the things about Jackie Chan is, is um, you know, a lot of the American audiences who are fans of his work from back then, um, they may not know the, his full story, where he came from, his background and things like that. So um, here's a brief, brief, brief message here about or lesson about Jackie Chan. So he was born in 1954. Um, he was actually in his mother's womb for too long. He says close to a year, but uh, they had to do a cesarean to get him out. I don't know how much of that is true. He's like Lao Tzu. <laughs> yeah, All right. So, <laughs> so um, when he was born, though, he was 12 pounds, uh, which is pretty big for a baby. And um, at the time, his both of his parents worked for uh, they were I would you, the help for for uh, these French ambassador uh, family uh, that lived lived in in Hong Kong. So his parents didn't have enough money to pay for the operation, and uh, that cost was about 26 U.S. dollars. And uh, the doctor who was performing it actually uh, offered to adopt, pay for, and and basically buy uh, the baby from them. And th- they seriously thought about it. Wow. Uh, they seriously thought about doing that. Um, but they ended up not doing it, and uh, they, you know, I guess found a way to, to pay off and, and, and get out of debt. So that was an interesting childhood beginning for him. Uh, it was cut to about 10 years later. Um, they were going to be moving to Australia at, at some point and, um, with, with, the, with the family they were working with. And, uh, and there's a, a not- notorious Peking opera school that was happening around the time where basically you would basically sell your kids into indentured servitude for a number of years and they would be trained on the, the, the hard practices of, of Peking opera um, back then. And they actually signed them up for the longest amount of time, which is 10 years. Basically they signed them over their child to be, go with them, stay with them while they went off to Australia. And, uh, he was put in the school and it was very abusive. Uh, it was, you know, you would be, you would be hit, you would be, you know, abused physically. If you didn't do things right, if they told you to jump up on this, on this bench, you better jump up on this bench. And so, he was there with a bunch of uh, he called them his brothers, a bunch of other other uh, uh, Chinese uh, folks who who went on to to do bigger things. But that discipline, that abusive growth, made him what he is today. So it's like plus and you know there's good things, there's bad things. And of course the bad things are are, are real bad. But um, <laughs> and very overt. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So there there have been there have been uh, Chinese movies about that growing up in that lifestyle that that, uh, you know, kind of show some of the, the harshness of it. But um, uh, when he was getting old enough to get out of there or close to 18, the Peking opera, that whole thing that it was dying. There wasn't a market for it anymore. And so at that time, these schools, these types of things, they were, they were just kind of going out of business. And all of these, these, these folks, they were going off into the movies. They were going off to do stunt work for the movies. Uh, around that time, Bruce Lee was big. And, uh, and so everyone was trying to go be the next Bruce Lee. And so that, that is the start of Jackie Chan's getting into the, into the uh, actual working in, in the movies back in the day. So, but wow. because of his harsh upbringing, because of, of, of that work... Uh, that's what's driven him. That's where he gets his dedication. That's where, you know, what makes Jackie Chan, Jackie Chan. And the funny thing about his name, his actual name is Chan, which is his last name, Chan Kong Sang. And that means born in Hong Kong, Chan. 
Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, his parents yeah. weren't very original, but the <laughs> <laughs> and he he, wow. he actually well, that's, he that's actually got the name simple. Jackie because while he was he was uh, kind of going back and forth in, in Australia, he was doing odd jobs and he was actually doing construction. And there were some uh, Australian construction guys, the foreman there at, at one site, whose name was Jack, and they started calling him Jack Junior, and that went around to and became Jackie. So, geez, that's that's quite the the biography you know i don't think we've had one of those for a character like okay the only thing that i knew uh, of any of that that you said was that um he had a brief singing career or uh, has a singing career oh yeah 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 he he's been a pop a pop star he's i actually have one of his albums and um but it's very common from from gosh the late 70s early 80s to today uh many of the um uh his films he's singing the 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 songs for the uh, the credits when they're going he's also sung the, the songs for many other films as well um, in the animated movie Mulan, he he uh, did uh, did a song for that as well. So interesting, huh? Uh, so how should we start talking about Rumble in the Bronx? Let's just deep dive into the characters. So Jackie Chan plays Mahan Kyung. Am I pronouncing it right? Kyung. Yeah, they in the dubbed version that everyone calls him Kyung. Kyung. Okay. <laughs> Kyung. I guess we could talk about that Shung too. the ass kicker. Now you said he was sorry. You said he was a police yeah. uh, guy, but yeah. I, I was under the impression from the conversation he was having with his uncle that he was like a, a tournament fighter or something like that. Yeah, they they don't really go delve into it. Now here here's another thing: the Chinese version of this film, which I have not seen, is 17 minutes longer than what you all just watched. But the 17 minutes minutes longer actually ties things a little better together. Uh, you know, because in this movie, as anyone who watches it know, it's jumping all over the place. I mean, the plot just, you can throw that out the window. Um, so, so the, but don't uh, stop paying attention. You will lose your place. That's right. You will not know what's going on. That's right. That's right. I mean, when, when it comes to, um, Jackie Chan, the the rumble in the Bronx, uh, shoot, I forget the, 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 uh, reviewer who talked about it and just put it perfectly you're not here to watch for plot you can take the plot and throw it out you're here to watch jackie chan perform you're here to watch him do his thing yeah so so the he is you truly, can say that about any hong kong movie sure, honestly. Sure, exactly <laughs> exactly it's about the so, fights so in the true story he is a detective but again that doesn't matter he, he is just here to visit his uncle <laughs> it's not tied to any of his other uh movies where he plays a police officer is he no okay no it's not I mean, the movie really is that he is the center of, of the movie. I, I was confused a little bit about like with his relationships. I thought at first that he was like trying to, um, you know, I don't know. He could he see he you think he's got a bunch of love interests yes. lined up kind of. In yes, this movie? he's got the the shopkeep and then the gang girl. Yeah, 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 yeah. And And there was definitely like a little bit of like shyness and. And, uh, you know, it almost looked like they were into each other with the shopkeeper, Elaine, but it was more just politeness um, w- with her. So yeah, he's he's just good guy, Jackie Chan. You know, he's just all around good guy. You know, Mr. I don't want any trouble. And then kicks like 90 asses, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing, you know, just taking care of everybody uh, he meets that's vulnerable. That character, you know, kind of kind of spoke to he's. He's a regular guy who happens to know Kung Fu, who got in uh, some bad situations. 
Yeah, exactly, exactly. And again, right. for the, for the American part with the with the dubbing, they left out the police work. But as you saw at the beginning, when he's there visiting his uncle's room, you see his dad, the tournaments, and they they do kind of sneak that in there just to give him a reason for 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 what he can do. So sure, sure. for plot purposes. So. That makes sense because otherwise you're like how in God's name. Yeah. Also, he just kind of pulls Sega Game Gears out from nowhere. Yeah. And gives yeah. Them to kids he didn't know was going to be there without so without like, a game seriously, in them. They don't have a game in yeah, them. Yes, yeah, the kid good, loves playing good. that Game Gear that's not that doesn't have a game. Yeah, in it. Yeah, yeah. So. I, I caught that way back then, and uh, I was <laughs> I was I was glad to see it again. Yep, there's no game in that game system. So <laughs> I'm very I have a keen eye for Sega Game Gear related uh, martial arts movies because we just <laughs> talked about Surf Ninjas. <laughs> that's right. Uh, so <laughs> definitely the focal point for me. See, the Game Gear could have been used as a weapon, but anyway, sorry. <laughs> It could have, it could have, yeah. But yeah, one thing that I that struck me um, w- watching it now, because again, we had planned to do this long ago, you know, months ago. But you guys, you you know, you got you got a backlog of, of of shows, so I purposely did not watch this movie until I think Saturday. Yeah, I watched it yesterday. So, and then I watched it again this morning. Um, so so I purposely did not watch the movie. Um, but but going back into it, um, I remembered the the woman who plays Elaine. Uh, Anita Mew. She she is actually, um, or she was a, a very big pop star uh, from Hong Kong uh, from the eighties. She was actually mm-hmm. called like the Madonna of Hong Kong, and she's also been in a lot of uh, a lot of movies, of course, as an actress. And um, if any of you have seen Drunken Master Two or Legend of the Drunken Master, she sure. plays his stepmom uh, in that, I and she's. That. She almost steals the movie because she is an excellent actress, very good at doing comedy. Um, but one thing that's sad about her, the actress, is she actually had cervical cancer and died in 2003. So, so she uh, she was, I think, 40 years old. But Bummer. looking at other other members, the gang leader's girlfriend, her name is Francoise. Yep, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Um, she, not a chance. Yeah, but, probably yeah. not. But she, she's actually looking through her 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 resume. Uh, she's got uh, she's done a lot of films and TV, mo- mo- more TV than films. Uh, recent things that she's been in, she's uh, played a, ca- a character on a couple of episodes of Arrow. Uh, she's also done uh, stuff on iZombie. Rumble uh, in the Bronx was her very first theatrical film. She had done one TV movie before that. Um, and then moving on to uh, Bill, or Uncle Bill, and uh, if, yeah, if you if you guys have watched or any of you have watched any of the Hong Kong movies, especially anything with Jackie Chan, you've seen Bill. You've seen Uncle Bill. I, I recognize. He shows him up all sure. the time. <laughs> What's funny about him is he was actually a an, he was a horse racing comment commenter, and then later when he was older in life or later in life, uh, he he uh, started playing the same two basic characters. Uh, he was always playing this Uncle Bill type character, and uh, and then another thing they talk about is him doing some older guy who won the lottery and they did a whole series of, of, about that, but he's a, a very good character actor playing, you know, uh, the goofy uncle. And he has been in many Jackie Chan uh, films and he's really good with the comic timing and delivery. Uh, it's always good to watch him. Good character. actor. Yeah. When we get, when we get into the, uh, the actual main villain um, of the, the thugs, the, that guy, uh, Mark Akerstream, um, he actually had done some stunt work. Um, he's done stunt work on Deep Rising and Rumble in the Bronx and something called The Sweet Hereafter. One thing that sucks about him is he actually died uh, when he, let's see, in uh, 19, August 5th, 1998, uh, and it was working on The Crow City. No, there was a Crow TV show, I think. But it was it was a Crow 
production, The Crow, and there yeah. was actually a barge or something that blew up, and he was just kind of standing by watching and got hit by debris. So, uh, you know, there's always been this curse around The Crow movies and, and uh, Crow productions. It was The Crow Stairway Which to Heaven. Which guy are you talking about? White t- I'm, no, what I'm talking about is the pool table fight boss. You know, the guy who, the, for the, who oh, starts the off. Leader the, the main of the, boss of the, the gang. The yeah. biker gang. Yeah, oh, yeah. that's a bummer. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but I, I want to go watch Deep Rising again because uh, I remember that, uh, uh, watching that huh. a few times. But, uh, yeah, that was sad to hear. But the, my biggest surprise in all of this was Angelo. <laughs> Uh, Angelo. Angelo, can we talk about how he's the best character? <laughs> yeah, in go the for movie? it. Go for it. <laughs> please, please, Angelo. What a living Looney Tune. What can I say? <laughs> Time to die, batter up. Yes. You know, yes. just like wow. Yeah. This guy, he's he. The camera is pointed at him, and he's ready to make his mark. Yeah. On this film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely, and and um, we could talk about the acting overall. Everybody, uh, you know, who everyone in that movie, uh, outside of uh, the. Uh, you know, folks from China were really, we'll just say over actors <laughs> and, and um, what uh, this movie was actually, I'd say they all were, yeah, yeah. including the Chinese. Actors, yeah. You could say that sure. too. You could say it's that just too. It's kind of a hallmark of that <laughs> style of, of film, the, yeah. the, the Hong Kong film, I think. Yeah. Yeah. But one, one thing though, this movie was actually made, it came out in the United States. So we don't get tw- tweeted at, it came out in 96. Um, but, uh, it was actually made and, and, uh, came out in, in China in, in 1995 when, uh, they made the deal with new line is like, Hey, this is a, this we shot in, in, uh, in, in, uh, a quote, New York. Uh, we, we will, uh, uh, we can use that as an entry point to try to get Jackie Chan. And part of the deal was, Hey, if we do this, Here's a bunch of other of his movies. We we want you to to release those as well. So it's kind of like a multi big deal uh, for it. So that's why you saw after Rumble in the Bronx. That's when you saw uh, things like you know Legends of the Drunken Master, Super Cop, uh, First Strike was actually that was done later. But but anyway, you saw a bunch of others actually coming to the theater. And the funny thing is, a lot of those movies that came to the theater, they actually took place years before Rumble in the Bronx. Um, but with with this, when they did the deal with New Line, they actually took the film, had a totally different score, 17 minutes longer. They shipped it off to get a totally new music score and uh, do dubbing uh, for for everyone. And and Jackie Chan was able to do his own voice for it. But I'm I again I have not seen the 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 original version. I've been trying to I've been looking for it for years. Um, but I, I would be so curious to actually see it with the original dialogue and see how the story is different. Because a lot of times with a lot of the movies, as you know, if you've watched uh, you know kung fu films, uh, the the bad dialogue really takes away a lot. But it also helps. It helps as well. So the voice acting is what I'm talking about. Depending on the movie, it can help as well. And and with this, the the charm and the goofiness of 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 the dialogue and things like that, it just made it more of a comedy, whether that's good right. or bad. It's for, meant for to this. be a little lighter than, yeah, than yeah. just a straight, you know. Yeah, exactly. Bad exactly. news movie. Well, one of the things I had re- read about um, it is that uh, they had changed the, in the beginning of the American release so that he lands in jfk and he's actually Mm -hmm. in jfk when they film that so they can say like yep this was totally filmed in new york guys totally in new york definitely for sure legit yeah yeah and and of course the they got a few they got a few stock footage shots you know of the city the skyline uh nighttime uh it looks like they filmed one scene with uh jackie and uh uh, yip and fr- on a motorcycle in front of the uh, the skyline for one one shot, but yeah, everything else was shot over in Vancouver. Um, 
and and the the funny thing too is is there's mountains in the background and that was a big deal like uh <laughs> there are not oops. mountains in the background at new york and at first are those the cat skills yeah. oops. <laughs> <laughs> but at, at first they they tried to shoot around them as much as they could and then it just got to the point where they just said you know just forget about it hopefully they're going to be watching the action in the foreground and not looking in the background but it's still a lot of people and i was yeah exactly i, I didn't i didn't <laughs> see it was filmed in vancouver which is a great stand-in city um until the credits rolled so I think the scene that it's most noticeable in is the one where um, he's jumping onto the uh, hovercraft on the river. Yeah. And, he, and yeah, yeah, you can yeah. see the mountains in the background as he's breaking his foot. If you watch the. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And, and uh, the one that got me the biggest was definitely when he was up on top of the parking uh, garage. And uh, there's the guy in the balloon. No, not balloon. The ball truck full of a bunch, a bunch of bouncy balls. When they're pushing it off, there's no buildings where you can see just mountains. Oh, just that's right. As they're pushing it off, but you know, for the fo- folks who live around there, familiar with it, they're going to be the ones like, "Oh, that's not right." For everyone else, the dumb Americans not near New York who haven't been there, oh, that's that, they don't care. Goofy freaking character, though. I mean, the biker gang do well. Not to mention they dress very strangely. It is the nineties. Yeah, well, it's, it's 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 the nineties. But it's also – I've thought about this for months, in, which is weird, and, it's, and you have a condition. But it's also Hong, or we'll say China's interpretation of America from their point of view. So I don't think they were too far off. Yeah, I've been yeah. watching a lot of 90s TVs lately, and it's like, whoa, they really were wearing stuff like and that. And I imagine that's where it came from is, is, is a lot of that. But, yeah, yeah, it's, 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 it's been real – it was real interesting to see. Um, what, 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 one, one of the two of the characters that really I, I liked a lot, he's almost as good as Angelo, uh, were in, in the shop, in the grocery store. There was the, the, the woman clerk. And then mm-hmm. it was her. It was supposed to be her boyfriend. You don't really get that, but but it's this one guy. After that quick brief fight scene inside the grocery store, uh, he comes running up and he's like, "Hey, ho! How did you do this? Oh, you know, how you doing all this crazy stuff? You do wah wah!" And he's just doing all this crazy, really bad overacting. And the sure. two, the he's two the of guy them who was scrubbing the graffiti off the store. Yeah, yeah, and the, first, yeah. Okay. Those two are my uh, some of my favorite background characters. But it was just it was just too much. And apparently, in the seventeen minutes, there was a lot more of them. But. Uh, <laughs> I can see oh, why dang. they cut that. Um, we missed a beautiful story, I think. Yeah, yeah, but but a couple a couple things too. The you know the it's funny with Bill when he's selling the store when they get to the actual grocery store and and the, the market I should say. Uh, you know, they, he's there and they're asked, talking about, oh, you're painting all the graffiti. And he has people out there painting over, uh, you know, the graffiti that's on there. And there's graffiti all over the buildings around. And he's like, yeah, we got to make it look nice for the new buyer. Well, a little bit later when the, the when the buyer arrives and she's out there talking to them, he's out there. Uh, he's a, he's a scam artist. He's basically out there going, oh, yeah, look at my building. There's no graffiti here. Mm-hmm. Uh, you see there's graffiti everywhere, but everyone respects me. They, 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 they like this store, essentially. No one graffitis this. Basically, he's just out there to make a buck and leave and then let her deal with it with everything afterwards. So <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. I had forgotten about that part uh, early on. So I love how how dramatic everything is in the store, <laughs> too. I mean, just yeah. like, yeah. especially I mean, I know the ending when the store is destroyed and she's it's sort of it feels very just I don't know. Like I, I watch a lot of anime. Right. And it's very yeah, it's yeah. like an Asian thing at the end. Like, oh, you know, the worst thing ever. And they're not really crying. <laughs> they're just being overdramatic. And 
you know yeah 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 just <laughs> yeah right yeah the human emotions not laid bare but really uh amped up for the camera yeah. oh yeah yeah absolutely. it feels like a play it feels like a play <laughs> at that point with like hey we're on stage we have to emote all the way to the back seat you know <laughs> yes yes yeah yeah well i understand that chinese films do kind of take the form of a play and like they're like a morality play or something mm -hmm. like everything that happens happens for a reason and the outcome of the film uh is basically uh like the filmmaker's view of like good guy you know gave the bad guy their comeuppance or something like that so i mean i don't know to what extent that's true like it, there, it's supposed to be some sort of a message but i was really confused when they decided to introduce that new subplot that you described. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Actually, the new overarching plot, because Jackie Chan had happily been beating up on this little biker gang for, for a while, but then they decided to introduce some even badder guys uh, with some, you know, a MacGuffin. Uh, so, like, what were they, what the hell were they doing that for? Why did they have to go and do that? Yeah, I guess they, with 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 Jackie and his character, you know, with him talking to the Yip character and then after the big, big fight inside the warehouse with the, with all the guys, um, you know, he's he's trying to change them, you know, be, saying these <laughs> philosophical sayings and things, you know, I wish next time out we could be having drinking tea instead of fighting. And don't you know that you're the scum of society? Um, <laughs> I don't want to bust you in the face with a frigid exactly, air again. Exactly. Come on. It, it's, it's almost like me too. he's trying to to show them the light. In, in this, you know, badly plotted out, uh, 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 <laughs> uh, written, uh, written movie. And so they needed, they needed the, the, the supervillains to actually defeat. And it, they almost came together to, to fight them. I mean, it really didn't. It was really Jackie Chan, but they kind of were working together. <laughs> Carrying uh, a few of them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I like how that, that thing, we should be drinking tea together, like just completely, did he really mean that? Yeah, it's like, yeah, okay, yeah. We, well, we like him now. Yeah, it's fine. You know, sometimes <laughs> we go too far. <laughs> he just busted our faces big time, but we like him now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So He's I right. Mean, we are scum. We should do something. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And and again, I think it's it's also a cultural thing, too, um, with with a lot of the movies with, and this, this, you know, we can dive, talk about this briefly, uh, you know, with like things like, uh, rush hour, um, you know, huge hit, big hit. Um, uh, but the, the dialogue and the things that, that were in that movie, um, so much of the spoken dialogue was, was just over the heads of, of people outside of America. That was an American film and uh, the jokes and things like that, spoken jokes and things like that were geared for an American audience. And Jackie uh, tried to explain that to uh, Chris Tucker's talked about this as well. When they've, gone over for doing uh doing uh shows and showing it off when it was big uh when it was came out there were parts where they were showing it in front of the audience and the audience they weren't laughing and like there were crew and, and audience members in there who were part of the film and they would laugh <laughs> you know when things would happen and and people in other countries were not getting it or the the people trying to dub the the lines for chris tucker talking so fast they just weren't able to to, to get it right so one of the things with Jackie Chan films, looking at them, they are, you can say, they are geared for more of a worldwide audience, and, and that is why they're more visual. That may tie into the more, you could say, overacting or theater stage acting, because mm. yeah, when you're on a stage, you are going really big and, and big, and, the, and, the, and with uh, Jackie Chan's style is fighting and everything like that, 
uh, he's doing action. Everything he's doing is 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 pratfalls, stunts related, and things like that translate across countries. They they have no borders when you're seeing physical comedy, physical things happening. So that definitely is tied into to you know everything that that he does you know with with all of his films and uh and so certain aspects of that don't translate well for an american audience certain aspects of that are the reason why they may have cut 17 minutes out of this movie when they released it in america same thing with many of his other films when they've been released in america they do trim out a lot of that stuff and it's because some of those things just don't translate well uh between you know all the different uh areas that you're you're showing it so yeah but like you said, visual stuff is visual in every language. Exactly. So. What I what I thought was interesting about this too is, um, you know, you would think that uh, it, it's strangely progressive in an unintentional way in some ways, with the members of the gang, you know, uh, being, you know, multicultural uh, that end up being the biker yeah. gang. You know, they're 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 made up of all sorts That's of different New York, people. baby. Right. Right. But yeah. You, yeah. You would think of a of a movie made at this time, you know, that they. They would just focus on one type of gang, you know, you have your pick, right? Um, but this yeah, was really yeah. a multicultural melting pot of a gang, you know, which is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Well, Jackie's uncle said it best when, uh, he, you know, Jackie didn't know who his new aunt was going to be, and it's a black woman, and his uncle's like, welcome to America, kid. Yep. <laughs> that's <laughs> this a, is what that's we do. Really it's a melting pot. That's right. That's mm-hmm. right. That, and, that that I remember back in the theater watching that that scene where she comes up and they kiss. Uh, uh, that scene got a really big laugh. It was it was it was quite funny. I laughed again when I watched it yesterday. Um, of course I knew it was coming, but uh, but it was funny. And I thought, oh look, that maybe isn't such a big deal nowadays. But uh, yeah. you know, back then it was probably pretty uh, hi- hilarious. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was reading something about the cast of this movie. Almost all of these people are like stunt people because. And David, you gotta get me if I'm wrong on this. I feel like Jackie Chan just wants people that can do their own stunts. Is that is that kind of the thing? Yeah, he he for the warehouse fight, which we'll get to the fights in a minute. But but for the warehouse fight. Um, you know, with fighting all the gang members, he spent, I think they said two months just training everyone how to fight in a Hong Kong way, how to fight, uh, in, in his style. So, uh, so yeah, for, for that, he, he, you know, he, he needs the people he works with, which Jackie Chan, for, for those of you who don't know, Jackie Chan, it's not just a man. Jackie Chan is a entire stunt team. It's a, a group of people. And uh, uh, from his early films long ago till, till, till today, he always has his Jackie Chan stunt team who are there to take the hits, to be the people. I mean, unfortunately, be a lot, a lot of times they're, they're his punching bags, but sometimes they're his, uh, they're his, his partners. Uh, but it's people he trains with every day and, and he works with. He's worked with many of these people for years. If you watch a lot of his films, you'll see a lot of the same faces and you're like, oh, hey, yeah. That guy just took a fall. That guy just did something. Okay, he must be one of the of uh, the Jackie Chan stunt team. Um, so so with this, they had a lot of uh, they wanted to go for that international market. So we need to get some some other. We need some some different different races in here, not just all Chinese. So um, so yeah, he had to work with these people and train them so that they could they could do a lot of the stuff that that uh, 
that he's used to working with, and a lot of it is timing. I mean, everything with a Jackie Chan film, and this is martial arts films uh, for the most part. I mean, everything is a is a choreo a choreograph a choreographed dance, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've got to have the timing right. Um, I know, like on one of his films, Who Am I? There's some 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 secret footage which I've got where he's working on the film for Who Am I, and and he's working with a professional uh, fighter who's really really good. And he was so frustrated, and he was having to cut the camera so many times because the guy was not getting the timing right. He was he was moving too close, and he would have his stunt guys come over and show the guy how to do it. And it was like it was like clockwork perfection. But then when this trained professional came in, it just it was not working, and so they had to get stunt doubles to to uh, to cover the guy's fighting for many of the tricky shots. The final footage you can't tell, but but it's 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 interesting. Uh, everything. Is a dance, I guess you can say, uh, with that. A dance where you're going to break a lot of bones. Yeah, I mean, look at yeah. the injury list for this movie alone. Yeah. Look at the bloopers at the end. The bloopers were like people being hauled away in ambulances. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know that <laughs> for, for, the, for the motorcycle chase, uh, you know, the cars, all of – with that, uh, two stunt women uh, broke legs. Uh, yip, I think during the same scene, yeah, it said she was on the motorcycle. She broke a hip and uh, – and uh, and then after healing a came joke back in there somewhere, yeah, probably. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, yeah. People do get get banged up, uh, banged up in his films. For his Chinese films, and even 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 his more modern films, if it's if it's Chinese, his he and his stunt crew are uh, you can they they are blacklisted from being insured. So for all of his films <laughs> in the past, no none of his people could get insurance for health insurance, and so for everything he did, he paid for everyone's health bills. Uh, for every movie, you know, while while he was you know once he kicked it off and became big, starting in the eighties. So, so yeah, Jackie Chan was paid for everyone's health insurance. Uh, wow, for, for for all his his team. So good lord, <laughs> you were just a treasure they, trove of uh, knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Jackie right. Chan, the man, the insurance plan. <laughs> that's right. That's right. right. Yeah. So, on screen, I think what was the what was the most memorable scene um, for each of you? I would. We always like to talk about that kind of thing. Starting with you, David. What's the most memorable scene? Easily for me was the warehouse fight scene where he basically it's Jackie Chan versus the bad guys. <laughs> Essentially, everyone fighting in there with all of the household appliances. That whole bit. Uh, for me, was 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 and still is just amazing to watch. When I saw it back in the day, I, I was my jaw was on the on the ground. My eyes were popped open because back in the day, you'd never seen that before. This was brand new stuff. You'd never seen it before. So well cut together. So so well edited yeah. everything and just amazing inventive scenery stuff. fighting yeah, yeah exactly. So for so sure. that for me, even today, that 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 is uh, that 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 was it for me. That is the one you think of when you think of this movie, I think. All yeah. right. Well, one of the ones. How about you, Mike? I have one, but it's it's going to surprise you. I mean, I, I think the the scene that stuck most with me in the movie is 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 actually the scene where he's almost killed by the the motorcycle gang, where he's sort of backed up in the alley and oh yeah, is having to yeah. dodge bottles and stuff like that. I'm like, yeah. holy crap! I I was not expecting that in this movie at all. You know, I was expecting yeah, you know, him to get in some tussles and stuff, and generally, you know, he's awesome and kicked ass and then like he to have him like you know have to go through that i like genuinely felt for the guy you know like oh man that is the most traumatizing thing and to not just be like terrified when he sees these guys like out in public afterwards (laughs) it was like wow 
Well, yeah, yeah he, he straight up gets cut up to ribbons in this dang thing. Yeah, yeah. There was a lot of blood in that. You know, all of these movies, the good guy's got to take his lumps in the second act and then come back bigger and badder than ever to, you know, basically the righteous shall prevail or whatever. Yeah, but I, yeah, I just yeah, kind of, I guess is. I expected it to be more of a, of a, of a fun romp. And that was like, this is, that got dark real quick. And, you know, and like, if you were, well, this is a rated R movie. Oh, I know. It's I know. I know. Noting, I mean, I mean, if if sure. this was like the wire or something, that would be it. That was the end of the movie, you know? So, <laughs> or, <laughs> sure, sure. but, uh, but yes, I, I know yeah. he has to come back and roaring back. And there were a lot of very cool things. I'm just like, that's the scene that sticks with me in my head. Not that it's a bad scene, that it's a very affecting scene. Uh, and I yeah. mean that in a good way. Yeah, it, yeah. It, 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 it's it's funny because that scene is 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 it's like it's almost meant for another type of movie because <laughs> it, it was kind of out of place, but still very dramatic. And and yeah, I mean, I was surprised watching it this time with the bleeding and everything like that. I had forgotten, you know, that yeah, he was getting pretty shredded up, and and of course they were almost uh, going to shoot him, you know, almost more than one occasion. So so Pete, what about you? Yeah, uh, well, the the scene I think of, apart from the warehouse scene, when I think of uh, Rumble in the Bronx, is the the hovercraft, uh, water skiing behind the hovercraft, partially because you know he's doing it with a, a broken foot in a cast <laughs> with like a shoe a shoe looking slip on over it. Yeah, yeah. But but the entire it feels like the entire last like half hour of this movie is all like somehow hovercraft related. You know, that hovercraft features very heavily into this movie. And I was hoping that it was this movie because I was like, I know that there's Jackie Chan does some crap with a hovercraft in one of his movies. And I think it's Rumble in the Bronx. Sure enough, it is. So, yeah, the, just the whole hovercraft thing at the end. I mean, <laughs> the water skiing with them on uh, the, the headbanger band playing in the middle of the street. There's a lot of interesting musical acts, apparently, in New York. You know, if it's not like showgirls in a cage with a tiger while yeah, everybody's yeah. like thrashing on the floor. And yeah, stuff, yeah. It's this kind of thing. And they just keep playing because like, oh, how badass is this? That's man? right. That's right. Hovercraft driving down the street. <laughs> yep. That hovercraft drives all over everything. But yeah, of course. And of course, the film's resolution uh, which is very abrupt yes very yes, very abrupt yeah, yeah, yeah. uh it is also it involves a, a hit and run with a hovercraft <laughs> yeah i know <laughs> which i was thinking like it's just like what the fuck? there are golf courses in the in the in the new york area sure okay but a beach i mean i mean a beach yeah <laughs> who's chilling at a beach in, in, a beach in the new york area yeah I, I, I don't know how long this this hovercraft was in land because i mean they were driving up the you know street in, in manhattan they left the ocean a while ago <laughs> yeah yeah it's funny because the uh the hovercraft began around an hour and 10 minutes and that basically brought us to an hour and a half <laughs> so so it was the yeah. last 20, 20 minutes of the movie Oh yeah, I mean, there's there's just a lot of strange logic that happens in this movie, uh, and that final part at the end is I don't know how we want to cut this, but you know, yeah, they the end of the movie is not the big bad guy goes to jail, not that you know the FBI swarm him or something like that, but the police actually authorize Jackie Chan, a gang leader and a shop owner, to just run him over with a hovercraft. Yeah. Yep. It's like what the. What in the hell? Like, like, would that happen with the NYPD? So, so, uh, the, of course, they covered it with a bad line of like, what's the official reason for this? Oh, it's because the thugs have got the hovercraft. So he's expecting them to be coming in it. So, uh, but 
The funny thing is, too, is, is I've read this, that um, that wasn't originally supposed to happen. The reason all of that stuff and the hokey stuff happened with that is because he broke his leg. He was supposed to have a big old fight with, uh, with all like uh, the guys and his goons and take them down. So because he broke his leg, he was actually in a cast, I think they said, for like 20 or 22 days. Uh, so they just wrapped it up and did it all with you know what he could with the cast. So. Uh, and including that weird ending. So <laughs> I thought that that was just funny as hell to me. I mean, the, like that was that makes it foreshadowing when he, Jackie gets run over on the beach, and then like this guy oh, gets yeah. run over. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. It's like he's yeah. That a, was impressive. It takes all his clothes <laughs> off except his boxers and like scars him up, but he's fine. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> Other than he's humiliated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah right yeah just yeah. humiliated that then that's really the worst thing you know for a bad guy no yeah. no no jail would be better but apparently this is fine too but also also with the scene of him uh you know in the hovercraft it's not only jackie who's been quote authorized by the goofy police the idiot police um but uh but it's like hey why don't you get all your friends to come too so like all the cast they're all there let's take a hovercraft ride it was it was <laughs> and then of course end with a nice freeze frame so <laughs> That's where after the movie, I expected it to be like the the Animal House ending, where like uh, you know, uh, <laughs> Kyung ended up exactly. ten years later with marrying blah blah blah. You know, <laughs> they had three kids. And <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's not the only weird logic that happens in the movie. I mean, again, like the gang just deciding, oh, we like Jackie Chan yeah. now. You know, he made us see the error of our ways, or. <laughs> or something like that. Uh, but yeah, the, the, the new subplot, I don't know where I'm going with this, but you know, the, things happen for unusual reasons yeah, yeah, in this yeah. movie. Yeah. Or sometimes no reason at all. Yeah. I think the reason is just to give uh, another, uh, another plot device for fighting and stunts is essentially that's, that's it. Cause you know, <laughs> that's, that's what it's there for. That's what it is. That's what it is. But the, the humor in the action, the reasons for the action, it's all, nothing is, subtle yeah. in these movies any of these uh martial arts movies it's basically just you know everything is over the top yeah yeah the fighting the acting the human emotions all of that kind of thing yeah, yeah. it's fun <laughs> so um a couple things about about the movie of course in 1996 it won best this is hong kong film awards it won best action choreography and and he and uh had a bunch of other nominations but uh, that was the one it won um it was nominated for the 1996 MTV Movie Awards for Best Fight, and it was the warehouse scene. So it was nominated. It did not win. Anyone want to take a guess at what beat it? What? What beat it? Is this like that Metallica Jethro Tull moment? Yeah. What, what it was is it? Adam Sandler versus Bob Barker and Happy Gilmore. Oh. Well, it's no surprise that MTV would vote for that one, <laughs> but that's kind of cheap. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. As far as uh, the 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 action scenes, of course, we have the the first big one is is in the in the grocery store, the the, the market where we have all these all these baddies uh, coming up. Um, one of the things that Jackie Chan always pr- has prided himself on, even with his movies in the eighties, was he he disliked in a lot of these kung fu films or or, or action films where you have a bunch of bad guys standing there and like one comes up at a time to fight. All right, boom, 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 boom. You fight him, and then then the next guy comes up. Boom, 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 boom. Yeah, that's like so, the most popular joke about fighting movies. Yes, that, yes. That's how they. Uh, but uh, but he he in all of his early movies, even the police story movies and things like that, he 
just like wanted everyone coming at him at once. And so like you see that in the grocery store uh, uh, scene. I'm going to call it the grocery store in the market. But anyway, in that scene, he gets surrounded by four people. And so at, at, a, at a moment's notice, he just turns around, does two punches to the guys behind him and then goes right into fighting the other guys as well. Uh, back in the when this movie came out, seeing that fast, that well choreographed uh, fighting, it was it was it was just amazing to watch. And, uh, you know, again, everything was was really well done very fast. There was no speeding up of the of the cameras for, for this for this film, uh, which is a very common technique used in others. Um, and and again, it was it was brutal kicking people into into, you know, grocery store shelves over over shelves, taking out a guy's knife with uh, with your shirt and things like that. Things you, you haven't seen before. And again, that was the, you know, it led up to the big warehouse fight that came later and the rooftop fight as well. Uh, and, and the action just kind of got bigger and bigger and bigger. Uh, and then, of course, went to the uh, to the to the different style of action with the uh, with the hovercraft. So I would argue, yeah, that this this movie probably got a lot of people thinking about um, how action uh, uh, should be done in, in Hollywood going forward. Because then if you think about it, like this probably is the inflection point where like if you. Remember the uh, 1989 Tim Burton Batman is exactly what you were talking about, David, where like, you know, one yeah. bad guy comes up to fight Batman and then the next one and then the next one, you know, in yeah. order. Yeah. And then like <laughs> and then it's fast forward to, you know, Batman Begins. And like that is while I don't always agree with how that is cinematography, <laughs> the cinematography there to see the fights, <laughs> Batman is still, um, you know, fighting multiple guys that are all coming up at once or or even the Matrix like a few years later after this is, is yeah. very Hong Kong um, influenced. Yeah. And uh, they yeah, use well, martial arts movies set yeah. the bar. Well, for... Matrix, they, they uh, hired uh, Yen Wu Ping, uh, Yen Wu Ping uh, to do the, uh, do the choreography. Oh, that's uh, right. That's he right. is a, a, a famous uh, director and an action director uh, who actually worked with like everyone uh, uh, from China, including Jackie Chan in early movies. Um, so, in fact, there's an old Jackie Chan movie that's directed by John Woo. Choreography, I believe, is by Yin Wu Ping and starring Jackie Chan, which was was interesting. Of course, it's one of those really old '70s uh, kung fu movies, so you know it's not great. But but still, that's the reason is is the uh, Americans were seeing these types of films and being like being blown away by by the action. And so, of course, the Wachowski brothers or the Wachowski siblings now um, they they grew up on this stuff loved it and they're like well i want we need to get you know some some really fast well done action we're not going to get someone from here we're going to grab someone from hong kong and so that's how they uh hooked up with yin wu ping so if if we don't have anything else about the the main portion of the movie now's a good time to take a break and when you come back we will do the verdict Uh, good evening everyone Please feel free to grab some coffee and a styrofoam cup on your way in. It's cold and harmless, of course. Okay, looks like it's 8 o'clock, so welcome to our safe circle. All of us are here for each other tonight because all of us have been hurt in some way by a certain Hong Kong martial artist who will remain unnamed. Yeah, that lousy Jackie Chan! I just said we won't name him. Anyway, we've all been hurt in traumatic and exceptionally random ways... And just because you might be some punk from a garishly dressed street gang or a trained assassin for the ultra-rich doesn't mean that you deserve that kind of treatment. And it doesn't mean that you have to face it alone. Now, who would like to start us out tonight? Yeah, I'd like to start. Oh, great. I mean, oh, great. Angelo, welcome back. Please go ahead. Well, 
There I was, minding my own business and being a big old jerk as usual, when out of nowhere I get whipped right in the behind with a car antenna, and this is after the guy already breaks my nose. I mean, just because I slashed him to ribbons with some broken liquor bottles and then tried to shoot him doesn't make me a bad guy. Why, Jackie? Why? Okay, I can see you're overacting as usual, but that's good. Let it all out. Let it all flow out. He threw me through a Pepsi can display. He busted my face with a refrigerated door. And he broke my back on a goddamn pinball machine. <laughs> Thanks, fellas. Well, now, let's hear from some other attendees tonight. I see there are several of you with black suits and earpieces. Would one of you gentlemen like to share anything with the group? Okay, you, with the weird ponytail that you pretty much only see in 90s movies. Okay, so I'm a tough guy, right? Well, so I thought anyway. Sure, I can take a punch in the face. Even a football helmet in the face. But a pipe wrench? That's too much! I can't even go to a Home Depot anymore! I've been so distraught, I've been thinking about cutting my ponytail off! I feel your pain, but you definitely should cut the ponytail off. You shouldn't be afraid of plumbing tools or sports equipment or even things you find in a Chinatown convenience store, people. The world is not just full of weapons. There are things that even Jackie Chan can't use against you. Hey, tell that to the guy who got wrecked with a plush footstool. Oh, crap, I forgot about that. Now, now, folks, your chairs are not going to hurt you. Sit back down. I just can't take it anymore. He could be anywhere. Sometimes, in the darkness of night, I just think Jackie Chan is going to jump at me from behind the chain link fence and kick my ass with some monkey bars. Nowhere safe. What if I get run over with a hovercraft while golfing? Good grief. Things are getting out of hand. You're scaring our new guest that just walked in. Sir, sir, hi. Welcome to our safe circle. Uh, yeah, hi. I'm the king of ancient China. And some nameless dude did this super elaborate plan to assassinate me. Um, I think that's... That's Jet Li, you idiot, not Jackie Chan. Oh, uh, sorry. So that's like... Down the hall, third door on your left. No, he comes in here all like, Oh, Jet Li attacked me. He doesn't even know our pain. Everyone, let's get him. Oh, crap. I let's see. I can make that Prepare to taken eat many of us off with punches and chairs. One time, I had him. Guys, guys, we should not be persecuting someone with a slightly different trauma than us. Guys, guys. Are you guys ready to do a verdict? I am ready. I think so. Let's not put it off any longer. Okay. So we're going to talk about whether Rumble in the Bronx is sacred. Bovinus Sanctorum! Or if it needs to be put out to pasture. Bovinus excommunicado! As with all guests, David, you're chance to go first on this verdict whether it's sacred or it should be put out to pasture is now i would i would like to vote that i'll go last because i'm curious to hear from you guys okay the uh the road less traveled for sure not it (laughs) pete go (laughs) (laughs) okay all right all right i don't mind hey i'm not ashamed of who i am i am a jackie chan not that you guys are but anyway i am a jackie chan fan um, and I think that this movie is required viewing so that you can see where he comes from and uh, also all of his other movies before this so you can see where he comes from before that. 
and where he went after that. So you can see what the hell happened with his career. <laughs> you know, obviously, you know, he's still very good, but you take the jobs you can get. Uh, so I think Rumble in the Bronx is sacred from the standpoint of what it represents. And that is a turning point in Jackie Chan, who's a great martial artist uh, in his career. Um, the plot is admittedly ridiculous in this movie. Uh, that's really not the point. Uh, that's not what you're going to remember about this movie, the plot. Uh, you don't care about that. What is super cool is all of the iconic and interesting fight scenes that we talked about. Um, and you'll just start to associate those with Jackie Chan in general. Like I said, I didn't remember that they were necessarily from this movie. Uh, so they just kind of become a part of who he is. And um, I think if you're a Jackie Chan fan, this movie can be sacred for you, too. So, Mike, if if David's going last, I guess that means you're going next. Yeah, I think this one is sacred. Um, when I first started watching it, uh, and and I realized that I hadn't actually seen it before, <laughs> um, I I was immediately uh, taken in just by like how light and friendly everything was, and uh, it kind of I felt like. After I'd watched the whole movie, uh, other than the, the bottle scene where uh, Jackie Chan is cut up really good and things like that, um, or even with that, I should say, I felt like it's a it's a good gateway movie into you know Asian style cinema. I mean, I've watched other Asian style movies. Um, that if you're just into like the martial arts cinemas in general, or if you think you might be, I felt like this was a good one for that. Um, while Pete's right, the the plot makes almost no sense. It's still enough to just kind of be, um, you know, kind of. Th there's enough danger that's happening to Kyung throughout the movie to keep you interested, and it's it's a popcorn flick. It's a popcorn flick, and you're watching great martial artists do great work, and and yeah, for that reason, I think. It's sacred. It'll get you say, okay, I'm interested in this. I think I would like to explore, you know, further Jackie Chan movies or other martial artists. Uh, or like, no, this thing doesn't uh, um, really make me more interested. And okay, I, I did it. You know, I think it's great for that. So I would say sacred. So for me, I I I will okay. I'll go ahead and go. I I'm going sacred as well. But I want to say it was very close, very close to being not sacred. And the reason is because of, of, of the other work that Jackie Chan has done. Um, this is definitely not his best film. Uh, but as a, a Jackie Chan fan or someone who's wanting to learn about Jackie Chan, as you said before, it is definitely a great entry point. Uh, it's not going to show you. There are things he's done in other films that are, will blow you away more than what, what he does inside in this film. But so it's a good entry. And I would definitely recommend if you, if you like this, if you, if you like the action, specifically the action, not the plots, but, but the action of, of what you're watching in this, uh, there's a whole host of other, other, uh, films that you could watch. I mean, better films for Jackie Chan would be, uh, uh, Drunken Master 2 or, or Legend of the Drunken Master. And that's more for the Kung Fu style, classic Kung Fu. Uh, Super Cop would be another one as well. But, uh, but again, he had to make his get his his entry into America for those things to be released, and this was the this was the thing this this is the doorway that brought him to the American audience. And again, his his Hong Kong his Chinese films 
are better overall than his American films. Uh, but, you know, especially with some of his modern stuff, but this was still, uh, still, uh, it was fun for me to watch. I have not watched it in years and I know that I'll definitely watch it again in the, in the future. But, uh, but like I said, it was close. It was close, but I, I'm definitely leaning more sacred. <laughs> Excellent. But interesting to hear that it was close. You gushed about this movie. You loved it. Oh yeah. Yeah. I was actually yeah. talking with my son about it today cause he watched it with me and, um, and, uh, you know, we were both talking about, you know, the the seriousness, the glass, the the brutalness of, you know, beating up the poor kid. I know it was done for comedy, but uh, we again, <laughs> having watched a bunch, a bunch of uh, his other films recently, it was surprising because the tone in this movie was 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 different than a lot of his other his other films. Um, but uh, and so, yeah, I was I was I was kind of on the fence, uh, 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 you know, yesterday. But uh, yeah, this morning I said, yeah, for for someone who's into martial arts films, for someone who's a Jackie Chan fan, this is definitely that's the reason I, 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 I lean more for Sacred. So I was excited to hear uh, your your ver- verdicts as well. It's very interesting. Awesome. Yeah. Three sacreds, so a unanimous uh, a sweep. Yeah, three sacreds for a cheesy, low-budget <laughs> Hong Kong America joint production. Well, movie. I just feel. Yeah. I, I feel. Yeah. Do you ever feel like you, we've just lost all credibility since we, uh, you know, gave this a sacred <laughs> and well, not the years Shining? Ago, you know? <laughs> years and years ago. <laughs> Uh, but you yeah. don't understand how our minds work, people. Yeah, yeah. So it keeps them coming it's, back. They're like one of these days. Well, we're I, th- it out. I think we do a good job of trying to like holistically, um, you know, put out the other movie. Uh, you know, we don't, we're, not, we're not talking about other movies in our brains here. We're talking about this thing and what it was meant to do. And I was thinking about it exactly in the way that that uh, apparently New Line was. So <laughs> I was trying to be objective and not comparative with other. Yeah, movies because yeah. truly, yes, there have been some spectacular moments in martial arts films, but uh, this one definitely holds up. Yeah, yeah. With that, we have now reached the end of the show. So I have to ask, anything else we want to talk about with relation to Jackie Chan or or anything else? Yeah, I will say that that he, I talked about how he hit how it almost changed my life at the time when I discovered him in Asian films and things like that back in the day. And, and it's true. I, the, the editing styles, the dedication as an actor, as a stuntman, all of those things are, are, you know, I admire about, about him. And, and I, in a way, have modeled a lot of everything I do professionally to trying to get things done to, to seeing it through to when I come to doing, doing film work, doing, you know, doing the best I can with what I have. Um, everything that, that, that I do part of the drive for that and the inspiration for that are from these types of films and from seeing what these people are doing, uh, you know, from that world. And, and it's part of my, my being It's part of my soul. Uh, and, and again, it's funny to say this, but part of that drive in, in what we see saw in that film, I edit drunks and dragons and I use the same techniques. So, you know, it's, it's funny uh, to, to say that, but it's true. David. Uh, so, where can people find you on the internet and uh, talk about Jackie Chan or Drunks and Dragons or any of the wonderful other things that you're working on? 
Yeah, so uh, they can find me. My Twitter is at SpudCam, and that's at S-P-U-D-C-A-M. Um, and hit me up. I can definitely give you recommendations if you want to uh, kind of experience the uh, the the massive amount of, uh, of Jackie Chan uh, backlog um, of recommend movies or whatever. Um, but then my I'll give you my my YouTube page, and that's uh, just YouTube slash it's SpudCam. Spelled the same way, Spudcam Productions. And there's a bunch of old videos and films and things there. Some of I think I have one of my old feature films I did uh, where we threw everything into it, uh, including this, the kitchen sink. Uh, and uh, it was fun to do as a, as, a, as a fun friends making a movie together project. And, and there's a bunch of other stuff as well. Uh, and then aside from that, I'm, I'm uh, at GeekLink all the time. Uh, 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 as I said before, I, I edit the uh, Drunks and Dragons uh, podcast. Uh, for them, and then I'm also a co-editor for for Crits and Giggles as well. So uh, doing some fun stuff with that with that group too. So that's me. Nice, Pete. Very cool. Uh, people still find you online? It, well, um, yeah, I haven't given it up entirely. I am at not wheat Pete, and I will lay bare my shame by spelling that out as well. <laughs> uh, well, it's not underscore. Uh, w e e t underscore Pete. It was a mistake. Um, <laughs> but <clears throat> uh, you might also want to add at dirty mm eight six to that just to make sure I definitely get the message. I am at white morph on Twitter. Uh, you can also get in contact with uh, all of us at sacred cows pod uh, on Twitter, and we also it will take your contact at sacredcows at heroofthewebcom or sacredcows at heroofthewebcom That was not uh, meant to I be both one. those, but, you know, that's the way words work. So <laughs> it's kind of funny. Uh, but we, we'll take your long-form questions and everything uh, on there. And, uh, you know, if you want to give us one of those five-star iTunes reviews, uh, those are always helpful and wonderful. Uh, we'd love to hear from that. And... Uh, when we get those, we like to read them on the show when we can. So we'll try to do that sometime if you if you send one. And that is our show for today. So thank you again, David, for coming on and teaching us all about Jackie Chan and everything. No problem at all. Uh, I I I am a huge film buff, film nerd, and uh, Jackie Chan is just one part of it. So thank you for the the honor to be on your show. Have a great night, everybody. Sacred Cows Tonight is a production of Sacred Cows Tonight. Executive producers, Mike and Pete. All sketches were performed by Mike, Pete, and David Stewart. The sketch Jackie Who was written, edited, and produced by David Stewart. The sketch Villain Support Group was written by Pete and David Stewart and edited and produced by Pete. Main portions of the episode are edited by Eli Ramsey. Want to contribute your sketch to Sacred Cows tonight? Email us your script or proposal to sacredcows at heroofthewebcom That's sacredcows at heroofthewebcom <laughs>